Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Good Movies, the podcast where we discuss, wait for it, good movies, the filmographies of acclaimed film directors. This week, we are continuing our series on Martin Scorsese, his second feature film, Boxcar Bertha. My name is Forrest. And my name is Kevin. And join us as we discuss the illustrious career of Martin Scorsese. Forrest, uh, I know like this is our this is our third episode now. Pretty exciting. And as we always like to start our episodes, what were your initial uh, what were your initial experiences with Boxcar Bertha? You know, um, I promise this is not going to be the same theme every time, but I knew it existed mostly by making this list. But I guess, well, let me let me back up. I've known this one existed a little longer than Who's That Knocking at My Door. Years ago, I did a Scorsese rewatch right around the time Wolf of Wall Street came out. And um, actually, it was right after. But I, I, I kind of went through his IMDb page and I did kind of a greatest hits from him. And... Uh, this one did not have an IMDb score high enough for me to watch it. <laughs> nice. Yes, so, I like it. Uh, people on IMDb have no sense of humor. <laughs> and I'm canceled just like that three episodes oh, in. Oh, no. no that's, <laughs> not true. that's not true. Um, so I was aware it existed. Uh, any? What about your thoughts, Kevin? Any uh, initial... You got... You got a big leg up on me. I'd never heard of this until you made the list and we decided to do this podcast. So I learned about it a few weeks ago when you sent me the full list of Scorsese movies. Uh, so I have to ask, how did you watch this? Amazon Prime. It's streaming for free on Amazon Prime as of October 2023, which was awesome. Okay. I, you know, I'm slowly gathering the DVDs. So I went old school and uh, this one worked. This one actually worked. Good. So, I had an issue with uh, who's that knocking at my door, at least on my player. Did you ever get a chance to try it on yours? You know, it starts to play, but it doesn't finish. Like, you can hear the Warner Brothers sound, but then it just fades to black and nothing happens. It's I really bizarre. Got some weird Chinese knockoff, man. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> hey, to quote, uh, to quote last episode, that's why, you don't, that's why you don't loan money to the Chinese men. Oh gosh! <laughs> now I'm canceled. Well, Just yeah, kidding. I don't. That's not my line. That's uh, it's from "Who's That Knocking at My Door?" And if so you haven't, no. <laughs> if we're gonna cancel Scorsese, we should have canceled Tarantino a long time ago. And true, true. Uh, there's plenty of other directors. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I guess before we go into a synopsis, Kevin, what are your uh? initial thoughts on on boxcar bertha well you know i came into it thinking it might have been a spin-off of one of the boxcar children did you ever read those books growing up god of are you serious <laughs> no no okay i was, I was gonna say one. like this is this is martin scorsese the guy who made goodfellas i doubt he's directing the boxcar children movie well, it could have been the gritty, uh, the gritty offshoot, the gritty spinoff of the the forgotten boxcar Bertha who left all of the other kids and decided to start her own life. But it's you a, know what? It's... You know, I'd I'd watch that. Yeah, I'd watch it too. Those were I enjoyed <laughs> those books a lot as a kid. If we can't um, make it in the podcasting world, we'll we'll that'll be our direct de- directorial <laughs> debut. <laughs> we'll get an option on it. I love it. <laughs> um but yeah no i i loved it i had a great time with this movie it was short and sweet under 90 minutes but it was a lot of fun it was the very very different from who's that knocking at my door um it was a lot more fun than that one from my initial reading but it was a good time once again i needed to kind of do a little follow-up afterwards to kind of totally understand what was happening because a lot of these older movies they tend to just throw you in the action which is fun um, I like when the movies don't hold your hand, but yeah, I, I had a good time with it. How about you for it? Well, I, I didn't love it as much as who's that knocking at my door. I didn't love that one either, but I didn't hate this. This, this one is, it's commonly referred to as one of Scorsese's worst, and I can kind of see why I didn't hate the story though. 
I know you said that you like the short and sweet runtime. I, I think it hurt it in this case. Uh, did you want more Bertha? Well, yeah. Not, I mean, not just her, but it, it's kind of like um, it felt kind of rushed being in 90 minutes. Like, we, you know, I know we just uh, we're just coming off of three and a half hour Killers of the Flower mode. I don't think this needed to be this long, mm-hmm. but I think two and a half hours just to really flesh out the story. Uh, I wrote, you you guys can read this uh, review in my letterbox later. I would love an alternate universe where this gets a three-hour cut and happens much later in Scorsese's career. That's my my take. I'd pay to see that. But I didn't hate the story. I I, I dove into a little bit of the criticism and why it's considered his worst. And Mm -hmm. it's still not a bad movie, though. It's kind of like... Okay, even the Beatles' worst album is still pretty good. That that kind of that that's how I think of it. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, sounds like you didn't enjoy it as much as I did, but that's cool. What what was some of the other criticism? I'm curious. I didn't dive into that. We'll get into it as we talk a little bit more. But it, so it brings to mind. I, I I read a little bit about this, but it was produced by Roger Corman, and. So he is known for the Pulp of Pop Cinema, the spiritual godfather of the new Hollywood, the king of cult. He's known for low-budget cult films. Do you know where the term uh, exploitation comes from? You know what? I've heard that all like my whole time watching movies, but I've never really dove into it. So I dove into the Wikipedia of exploitation films after watching this. But yeah, before, okay. What'd you find? More research than me. Oh, what did you find? Oh, yeah. Well, it was uh, it was interesting because I've heard just uh, even Scorsese's last movie, Who's That Knocking at My Door, there was the talk of, we'll get this released if you can make it into a sexploitation movie or exploitation movies or all those types of terms have been thrown around. And then when I went to look into it, there's, of course, dozens of subgenres of exploitation movies. But overall, they're, they're a little racy, they're a little more exciting, they're usually low budget, they're diving into an issue of the time, that, so the, these movies, they might be really fun and exciting in the moment, but uh, not too relevant in the near future. Um, that's kind of what I took away from it. Forrest, do you have anything to add, or anything I got wrong? No, that's pretty much, a, you're actually more in depth than I was going to go. Uh, I was just talking about the criticisms are with uh, sex and violence scenes, which, gotcha. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, they, they're pretty tame by today's standards. But I think, like, like I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, how Tarantino does his films. Those are over-the-top violence. And maybe it's because it's over-the-top. It's not considered exploitation or you know maybe that's subject to debate i you know um i'll say it pulp fiction is my favorite movie of all time also one of the most violent and it held the record for uh, for some time of the most use of the word fuck in a movie (laughs) maybe maybe i might have to fact check that but i know it's up there Um, I'm not going to fact check that for this episode because we're not talking about Quentin Tarantino. We're talking about Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Well, I could see even with those tame sex scenes and violence in this movie in 1972, they probably thought different. Yeah. And so I, I'm not, it's not really all the, it's not really all that it's more rushed. And if they focused more on developing the story and the journey, I think that would have helped the movie. Yeah, I got you. But it's also hard to do in 90 minutes. And I think we'll see in the next film, Mean Streets, where Martin Scorsese really comes to his own. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that point eventually. But, you know, he had to go to that place to get to this one. And it's it sounds like I'm being negative about this. I promise I'm not going to shit on this, mo- this movie the whole time. I'll sing my praises as we get there. Uh, are you ready to get into the uh, synopsis part? Yeah, let's start diving into uh, to a recap of this guy. Okay, so one thing I the first thing I want to point out is uh, it's a <laughs> I'm going to quote this from Wikipedia. It's a loose adaptation of Sister of the Road, a pseudo autobiographical account of the fictional character Bertha Thompson. What the fuck does that mean? I love that. It's like a it's like a fake 
inception inception of uh, stories here i was confused i was reading the same thing and i was like wait so was she real or was she not was she inspired by somebody else and yeah it seems like it's all made up the most i could find is uh so the, the author ben l reitman it was the story of three women combined into one for the sake of the novel which is an interesting concept in and of okay. itself cool so we start the movie with a uh, younger Bertha. I, I think she was younger. I'm not. Yeah, hard to really... tell. It wasn't super clear. She's on a field with her father and a couple of other workers. Is one of those workers Bill? I don't think Bill was there. I think just Vaughn. No, no, no. Bill was definitely there. Apologies. Yeah, this is kind of like a meeting of everyone, uh, the, at least the core three are all kind of doing this, doing different tasks in this same field. Oh, I didn't catch I, that. I didn't catch that it was all three. I just... Um... Yeah, Vaughn was there, Bill was there, and then Bertha. But uh, the other main character, Rake, he doesn't come until later. But Vaughn, Bill, and Bertha are all together in this first scene. Oh, okay. I, I, I saw Bill and I saw... I, I guess I didn't see Vaughn. That's... Yeah, he was the he was their uh, aircraft mechanic. Oh, good catch, good catch. I did not, uh, but you know, I forgot to go into the cast. Uh, so the film stars Barbara Hershey as Boxcar Bertha. Now, have you seen Barbara Hershey in anything else? You know what? I pulled up her IMDb, and she's still working today. Isn't that awesome? Yes. The movie isn't that old. Fifty. 50 years old but um yeah it's awesome she's still working and I, I saw a lot of recognizable things but i didn't recognize her it looks like she's done a lot of horror and a lot of tv so what i know her from is uh the insidious movies ah those are scary man i only saw the first one <laughs> i uh i saw those years ago i'm not a big scary movie fan mostly because i, I prefer to read horror than i do to watch horror just because my imagination runs wild. <laughs> She's probably most known for The Portrait of a Lady. That's what it's called. That's probably what she's most known for. I haven't seen that. I only knew her about her from the Insidious movies. And I didn't know this at the time. She's in The Last Temptation of Christ, oh, which is okay. another Scorsese movie down the line. Uh, that one had a high enough IMDb rating for me to watch the first time I did this. So... <laughs> um, We'll get to that when we get there. Okay, so that's a good catch. We also have that all the characters were in that scene. We also, not all of them. We also have David Carradine as Big Bill Shelley. Have you, have you recognized him in anything else? Oh, Kill Bill, of course. Yeah, there's, there's the, the Tarantino connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that's all I've known him for. And, yeah. you know, during my digging, uh, so David Carradine and Barbara Hershey were married for a while. Oh, really? Yeah. I think actually during the filming of this. Ah, okay. But I, I guess um, he, he had a lot of problems, and I think her career kind of tanked the, more, the longer she stayed with him. Oh, that's too bad. And then once they split up, her career got better, and... He's in a lot of Kung Fu. He's in the show Kung Fu, but he's in a lot of martial art movies. And here's the sad, interesting fact. I hope I hope this isn't a trend among uh, Scorsese films, but he had kind of a... I mean, he's 72, so I can't say premature, but he died from autoerotic asphyxiation. I remember that. That was, that was strange. Yeah, in uh, Bangkok. Oh, wow. Hell of a way to go out. Um, so yeah, the other guys I haven't really recognized in anything. We have Barry Primus, like you mentioned, as Rake Brown. Bernie Casey as Von Morton. Uh, Prob got, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I got Barry Primus's IMDb up, IMDb up here. Looks like he's been a character actor in a lot of stuff. Um, okay. So like up until recently, what's his turn? David O. Russell. Looks like he's in a bunch of David O. Russell movies. Okay. Those are always quite interesting but yeah i don't really recognize him from anything but this but this was a long time ago so <laughs> it also has uh john carradine who played h buckham h buckram satoris ah. uh the rich train guy gotcha and he's he's had a quite the career he's most known for uh 
the grapes of wrath the ten commandments i know him he was the voice of the great owl in the secret of nim (laughs) which was about a decade after this that's a classic (laughs) anyway okay now that i say not too many main characters in this movie pretty much that core four and then the few others kind of pop in and out of the movie yeah, that was interesting. Like in the opening credits, they also credit Victor Argo and David Osterhout as MacGyver number one and MacGyver number two. All of the others don't, they're credited at the end, but they're not a whole lot of screen time. Yeah. I mean, like we kind of clued in at the beginning, the, the story, it, it jumps around a little bit. There's a, there's some filler in there for a short film. Yeah. And, Okay, so it does jump around. Like I, I guessing this takes place over a period of a couple of years, even though I don't feel like it made it that clear. I agree. Yeah, it was tough to follow timelines, especially like you said in the beginning. Like, was she supposed to be a kid? Was did she dive right into her her new solo life right after the the first scene? It was not super clear. But yeah, there's people getting in, into jail and out of jail. But uh, overall, I think that the story was still, it was still, it was still fun. It was a fun story. I wish, I wish I had more of it. That's my, yeah. <laughs> I love me a good runaway journey story. Mm-hmm. But on this field, so it's her father crashes his crop dusting plane. That's, that's what happens. And I guess she's orphaned. We don't hear anything that happened to the mother. And then the montage happens. I guess that was the Great Depression, and so because she's orphaned, that's how she be took to freight hopping and became boxcar Bertha. I like the term freight hopping. I was also curious if it's stowaway or is that just on ships, not on trains? I don't know, but freight hopping is a good term. Yeah, um, I wrote in my notes. Was there okay? So. In this scene where she's gathered around right before her father dies, they're discussing the plane. She's scratching her thigh. Was there any significance to that or just to kind of symbolize that she's a free spirit? I think that was just the exploitation part of it. Like they were showing that. I think they were just trying to make her sexy because there was people checking her out while she was doing that. Yeah, which was kind of uncomfortable. And then like... Once her father dies, I know they were like trying to grab her to console her, but it felt I don't know, it was it was like kind of uncomfortable. Like Yeah. Okay. Which leads us into our next like scene number two, essentially, after the <laughs> intro montage. Um, anything else to say on the montage or do you want to dive into the, the next No, page? I guess it was just showing that this all takes place during the Great Depression, and I think mm-hmm. the montage it was just is basically a way to get from the opening scene where she becomes an orphan to now where she meets Bill again and he takes her during the union riot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, like, like this would have been interesting to expand upon. I think Bill, Big Bill, as they call him, is a super interesting character. Mm-hmm. And the fact that throughout the film, when they do want to, like, they eventually turn to a life of crime, but he wants to be an honest working union worker. He just wants to get paid more and be protected by the the big rich folks so uh something's never changed this film is over f- gosh wait 1972 this film's 51 years old and we still have this going on in 2023 yeah. i don't think we've mentioned this yet but we both live in michigan and there's all these auto worker strikes going on right now because the unions and yeah good point dive into that right now but it's definitely it feels more modern than you would think for a great depression railroad union story (laughs) right uh so he he like takes her to save her it from what i gather it's like a reunion of old friends i use i use that term loosely but yeah Mm -hmm. my take was that she was like 14 15 during when her father died and then she was like 18 19 20 somewhere in there when she came back to when she met bill the second time around yeah hopefully that's the case but who knows it was the 30s <laughs> it doesn't say yeah uh and here's uh exploitation number two sex mm-hmm. scene the first of a few mm-hmm 
they have a literal roll in the hay, which is pretty funny. So as huh. her I've never heard that, I've never heard that euphemism before. That's funny. No, it's in Young Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have seen that. It's just been a while. Oh yeah, it's Halloween time. I can't believe I've watched that yet. I'll have to watch that tomorrow. Oh. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> so they the, the two of them they get together. They recognize each other from the few years previous, and uh, they run off from the. The Union Riot, as you were saying, Forrest, and they jump in a boxcar, as they do. And uh, they start cozying up around a fire. I think that was a major fire hazard. They literally started a <laughs> fire inside of a wooden boxcar. Filled with hay. Filled with hay. <laughs> but they seemed fine. And they had a, the, the, didn't seem like the most consensual sexual experience. But I wrote that in my notes. She looks yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, and then she kind of changes her tune a little, like a minute or so later. But yeah, the beginning was a uh, the beginning of it was a little off. I um, mean, throughout the film, she seems super in love with this guy. So oh, it, yeah, yeah. I, it is genuine. It's it's you know, but. <laughs> Unfortunately, looking at this through the eyes of two white dudes. In 2023. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't look great. <laughs> Especially since they've just seen each other for the first time in potentially years. And he, he's, uh, he's, he's relatively forceful, but then, the, then it seems to turn more, more loving after that. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, then after this, though, they, they get together. They do. They're pretty much a couple the whole time. And he's gone the next day. And I wrote that he left her money. Yeah. I don't know if that was out of pity or like a weird prostitution thing. Or... Yeah, I wrote that down too. That was that was confusing. And I actually, I just misspoke there. They don't really get together right now. But they you can tell they, they, they've made a connection, a lasting connection, even if they've only seen each other a few times now. Well spoken. Uh, she joins a craps game in the next scene. Yeah, so she's just wandering around, living her best life, pretty much, and <laughs> yeah, she's takes the gambling. Where we meet Rake Brown, uh, who is a gambler, and he's exposed as a Yankee due to his accent. Yeah, that's funny. He's suspiciously quiet the whole time, and she pokes him and prods him, and to be like, "Why aren't you saying nothing?" And then he speaks in a Yankee accent. And all the Southerners get pissed off at him immediately. It's a pretty fun scene. Yeah. So after she meets him, they... So this is where... I wish I would have taken better notes. So remind me again. They go yeah. back to... Um, they go back to his room. There's no exploitation in this part, but... They... Uh, I, I took pretty good notes here. I can jump in if you'd like. Go ahead. Um, yeah, definitely. So... Bake him away, yeah. toys. What was that? Said, bake them away, toys. <laughs> um, what we, uh, so what they got here is, so she she pokes and prods him into speaking, and he gets chastised for being a yank, taking advantage of the southern folk. And she's like, oh, I can teach you how to speak with a southern accent. <laughs> so there's a fun little scene of her teaching him to speak in a southern accent so he doesn't get chastised all the time while being around in the south. Until they kind of, they link, they link up together. Um, not clear if they're, uh, if they're sexually involved or not, but either I way. don't think they were. Yeah. I think like, Rake wanted to, but it wasn't happening. Yeah. I think that was the case too. Um, but yeah, so then they get together and they're going to do a, a little gambling, uh, con coming up. So they get together with a, with a group of big wig, not really clear what they do. Um, but they they start playing a card game. She's dressed up all pretty to uh, to uh, distract these two rich guys while Rake is playing poker and he's gonna cheat. He gets caught cheating then, though. And a and, war out breaks. Oh yeah, they get caught up in a fight and the kind of the the talking uh, the the conversation with these guys before the fight starts is interesting because. These rich guys, they're like, oh, this this country's going to crap. There's commies everywhere. This depression is killing everything. It's kind of an interesting little commentary on on what's going on. But yeah, then they get up in a, a fight there, and one of the the rich guys gets shot. Mm-hmm. And then it's back on the boxcar. Back to the boxcar. So but a couple of things I wrote for someone who's running around and sleeping on boxcars and stuff. Bertha had beautiful hair. 
Oh yeah, she had great beautiful, hair. perfect hair. And <laughs> it's amazing how that works. Running around, uh, sleeping in box cars. <laughs> well, that's how she. She was just one of a kind. <laughs> and uh, I also wrote when they're hopping onto the back on the box car. You know, uh, Rake is struggling to get on. I actually thought that that was well done because I feel like I'd have a really hard time hopping boxcars. Yeah, that'd be tough. She, You can tell she's a pro. I wrote down from that part, Bertha, marathon queen. She can <laughs> outrun him easily. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote, nice struggle, Rake. Nice. Oh, I called him a dandy, too, because he dresses quite funny, and everyone's making fun of the way he dresses because he dresses very, very loud. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Yankee. Mm-hmm. And um, who who should be back on the on the boxcar? Oh, we got Bill. Bill and a Big Bill is back. Are just so happen to be the exact same boxcar that they are jumping into. <laughs> right. And Rake tries to play a game of cards, tries to show off because Bertha goes right to Bill. Oh yeah. Rake and drops the cards. <laughs> Way to go. Way to yeah, go, champ. He lost his game pretty quick there. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because the co- soon the cops come looking for stowaways. Mm-hmm. And heroic Bill pushes Bertha to safety. And they all go to jail except Bertha. Yeah, she's good at staying on the run, that's for sure. And who do we meet in the jail cell, Kevin? Vaughn again. So we do. Keep bumping into each other. It's amazing how small the South must be at this time. Yeah, I almost wasn't sure where they were. Uh, they're not. They're not in New York having a steamed ham. That's for sure. <laughs> and a little callback to uh, Simpsons and uh, the first, I guess, second episode. Yes, I believe they're in. Ar- I believe this takes place in Arkansas. I saw filmed in Arkansas, and then the only location they call out specifically is Memphis. Yeah, but it wasn't actually Memphis. Yeah, they're like talking back and forth. Like, is that Memphis? I don't know, but just the generic South, it seems to be. Yeah. And in jail, um, after Bill is reconnecting with Vaughn, he a riot breaks out, and he's he's beaten because he's friends with a black guy. Yeah, you got some fun uh, southern racism there to sweeten the pot of this movie. Some more exploitation for us. But what I did like, though, it was uh, it was very satisfying seeing the deputy and the cops beaten. Oh, yeah. So during this scene, a, a riot breaks out. Everybody is killed <laughs> except for Vaughn, Rake, and Bill, surprisingly. <laughs> the only, only the main characters survived. <laughs> did you notice yeah. that? Oh yeah, yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty funny. My favorite part was the the one inmate that tried to block a shotgun with a mattress. <laughs> I mean, better than nothing, but still. Would have slowed. It might have slowed it down. Yeah, might have. They are then sent out to work. And yeah, who comes? Gang, gang. What was it? It reminded me of Cool Head Luke. Oh yeah, yeah. And who comes up in a car? Our friend Bertha, the cop who's watching them, is distracted. So Bertha kind of seduces him to a flat that she created herself. And uh, I wrote in my notes before it was revealed, did Bertha steal that car? Yes, she did. Um, yes, she, she did. Had, yeah. <laughs> um, one of my favorite little bits here, um, I don't know if you noticed, Forrest, but they, they did a nice plant for that with that specific cop. Well, so when they're in the jail in the previous scene, this cop is talking to one of his colleagues. He's bragging about how he helped some woman with her car and she either slept with him or something. And he was like super stoked about it. So like they, they planted that seed that this cop is like really susceptible to like want to help out a cute lady who need, who looks like it needs his help. So Bertha wouldn't have known that, but it was still it was a fun little callback from good writing i'd say that is good writing i always i just took it as bertha was just she was playing her hand and it's yeah i i think she was just shooting her shot at seducing him <laughs> yeah and it works <laughs> it did yeah what she what she do she tells him to close your eyes and open your mouth <laughs> i don't know what this guy thought mm-hmm. he was getting 
but uh, he gets a gun in the mouth. <laughs> oh, she had a line about um, that she was a missionary. That I actually uh, laughed at. That was good. That was good. She's like, I'm on my way to Africa. I'm a missionary. <laughs> yeah, that that I got a laugh out of. Yeah, it was solid. Uh, and she busts them out. They're yeah. on the run from a stolen car. Mm-hmm. And then we get a really fun car chase with the worst driving police sheriff I've ever seen. You know, I loved that though. I it was, it, it was you know in this modern world, it was uh, it was kind of fun seeing a uh, car chase with two old nineteen twenties car and that really old cop car. Yeah, it was super fun, and the they were I mean they did a great job. They escaped easily, and the the sheriff who was following them, he's just slipping and sliding all over the place. He just doesn't know how to drive. <laughs> right and he 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 crashes i i don't think he dies or if he does it's not important but they have a creative way to cover the stolen car i don't recall I, what happened for us i forgot oh the train crashed it oh yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. they planted the car on the railroad and the train just kind of ran it over yeah yeah and then they take that opportunity to rob this train <laughs> <laughs> they do, and uh, they turn to bank robbers. Yep, so they're just taking whatever they can get. And they're back on the train. I wrote in my notes they made it to Arkansas. I can't recall if they, how they specifically said it, but... Is this the bit where they roll the train in, and the guy, the station guy is like, this is the first time this train's ever been on time, or is that later? Good point. Um, I think that's this part. I think that's this part, yeah. So they steal just the engine of the train to escape. And mm-hmm. uh, when they roll into the next station, the guy, the railroad guy who's there is like, this is the first time you guys have been in, been on time, but where's the rest of it? And then they all just run off into the distance. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so I, a couple of notes. So on the train... I noticed that I wrote in my notes that Vaughn does long long division. I wrote that down too. Do you know how to do long division? No, not. I don't. I don't either. I don't know if I ever knew, maybe in like fifth grade, whenever you learn long division. (laughs) Yeah, and then right around that time, we all had our fancy graphing calculators from middle school on. So I don't know how to do long division. I don't think I really need to know, but. (laughs) I mean, I could figure out 12,000 divided by four, but on paper, oh. doing it long division style, I don't think so. <laughs> no, but then I realized, like, they had to do it back then. They yeah. might not have even had no calculators option. back then. Mm-hmm. Um, just a side, little... Uh... Side note, you can edit this out. What a gosh darn um, monopoly deal that Texas Instruments has, that every single student has to buy a $100 calculator when they turn 15 ridiculous <laughs> yeah you're right it is all i'm not editing this out by the way this is good talk <laughs> um I, you're right though i i didn't kid. think i i cannot name another brand of graphic calculator nope. i don't know if that's still a thing i haven't i haven't been in school for like 15 years so <laughs> I, I feel like i still see them but maybe they're just kind of obsolete because now kids have Chromebooks and stuff. Yeah, you can do anything a graphing calculator can do. I'm sure you can do on a phone. Right. Higher resolution. Am I so out of touch? <laughs> we don't have any high schoolers, so. No, no, it's the children <laughs> who are wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that was a stretch, but I'm not editing this part out. This is funny. Awesome. Uh, a couple of other notes. They arrived at this destination and Specifically in the part where they're walking, I guess, to where they're um, staying. Yeah. Uh, But here's something that I, maybe I'm being unfair in this criticism. I noticed here, a lot of the cinematography feels dated. Okay. Like low budget, which I know Scorsese wasn't the big director back then that he was now, but it's... And maybe it's just a product of its time, but you could film something better on an iPhone today. <laughs> I so I, I, I don't know if you noticed that. I, I guess I found it distracting, but I don't know if that's a fair criticism. This the part when they're like going to their hideaway house that has all that like weird decorations and stuff in it. 
Uh, I think it's it's around this part. Okay, yeah. This didn't jump out at me specifically, but that's not saying much. So I trust you that it's not the it's not the best. It's not Scorsese at its best. Right. I, I'm guessing it's just a product of the time and Scorsese not being the A-list director that he is today. Yeah. And so they're in there. And I also wrote on the... Uh, no, they might still be on the train they're either in the train or they're um and this there where oh this is their other hideout my mistake yes okay it's that other hideout did you notice um it looks like more of like a a city flat it kind of looked like to me i'm not sure did you notice that rake made a flaming mo no oh yeah 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 yeah, of course (laughs) and that is what i wrote in my notes let his drink on fire and just let it burn sometime <laughs> just like the flaming mo oh yeah huh but he didn't have cough syrup in there though <laughs> who knows it was the 20s during the depression yeah they had to do with what they could prohibition wasn't that long ago though mm-hmm. like so uh you know what uh the whole flaming mo episode is uh connected to this because mo is robbing homer from his idea and they're all <laughs> robbing the train and <laughs> They decided to phone in on this second where the drink is lit on fire. <laughs> it's all connected. It has to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that had to be how the Simpsons writers wrote this. It's perfect. The Simpsons, everything. This is the one time the Simpsons didn't do it first. Yes. <laughs> yep, you heard it here, folks. All right. And uh, they they turn into robbing banks. Yeah. So they've completely they're, they're robbing trains. They're in the robbing banks. What was their gateway? Their gateway thing, and now they're just moving. I think way. it was the gambling. Yes. Yeah. And just like, bit. Well, at least with Rake and uh, Bertha, it was the gambling. I think Vaughn and Bill were just kind of uh, like I also wrote like Bill wants to be an honest working man. Like yeah. he wants to just. They show that he doesn't like this life of crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they show multiple times. And there's the... Oh, I won't jump ahead too far. But yeah, it's very clear that he doesn't he doesn't care for this. And Bertha loves it, though. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. some great... She has some great heist scenes where she's messing with people. It's a good time. Yes. Yeah, she's, she's good at it. I also wrote that in the bank robbing scene, they were probably mostly extras, but they were really bad actors. Yeah. <laughs> there was another neat transition in the um, the sit down scene where they're talking. Uh, it's where the four are robbing the bank, and uh, remind me again, they're uh, it's it's where um, John Carradine's character is talking to the two uh, MacGyver boys. Yeah. And it's kind of going back and forth. I'm I, I'm not sure if that's a Scorsese trademark at this point, but it'd be mm-hmm. interesting to explore. You know how last film they kept doing a back and forth? Yeah, between the when they're having conversation. Yeah, and then I think it was whatever is going on in Harvey Keitel's mind. But I think that's what was going on here. They were it was kind of a back and forth transition. Where they mentioned sit, they they said sit down, and then it led to the two men being scolded by Satoris. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they were his trains that were getting robbed. Mm-hmm. But again, this is where um, I I don't know maybe maybe I'm just stupid, but I, I thought it was kind of hard to follow. I didn't think it was hard to follow in the moment, but as we're recapping, I'm getting a little lost. So I think we are we are losing the we are losing that core story a little bit. Do you remember the part where George Washington's portrait is changing? No. Oh wait, yeah, yeah, yeah I do. I don't remember. That's what this that part. Was, but I remember. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> uh, so I guess we are getting a little lost in the middle here. Maybe, uh, maybe the the folks are right that this is not Scorsese's best. Just my own antidote, but you know we'll we'll uh, we'll keep going uh, because now we have another sex scene. Oh yeah, and I liked this one better than the first one. Yes, it was very consensual. It did. It seemed uh, it seemed like they were both having good times, and 
Her hair tangled in her jewelry was a nice touch. Oh yeah. It was for both men and women. We got some we got some male nudity in there as well. Not full frontal, but Does this movie pass the Bechdel test? You know what? I think we get women talking to each other later in the movie. Um, but I didn't do a, a deep dive to see if this passes. But for a reminder, the, the Bechdel test, which I learned about from another wonderful podcast called the Bechdel, the Bechdel cast, um, is when two women speak to each other in a movie. Uh, they both have to have names, so they can't be woman number two. Two women speak to each other who have names, not about a male character. Um, so I have to talk about something that's not about dudes. And I don't think, think this passes it. No, uh, I don't yeah, think I'd have so. To double check with some of those later scenes. But well, who are the other women actors in this? Oh, uh, they're all prostitutes, so probably not. <laughs> yeah, and sorry, I'm jumping a little bit of ahead, but when she says, "Are you from town? Come with me," it's mm-hmm. leading to a prostitution ring. That that's that's for men. Yeah, that would be a that'd be a pretty light that'd be a pretty light pass there. So yeah, I'm gonna say this does not pass the Bechdel class. That's all right. <laughs> but I'd say Bertha is a pretty uh, progressive character. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Then they uh, they they get ready to set up another robbery. Yeah, I Bertha's dress is falling off during this whole scene. Yeah, the party. Well, yeah, and like right before, like in the car too. Gosh, yeah, it's pretty funny. So here's where your your exploitation comes in again. Well, I was just gonna say, like, if if she had worn a dress that actually fit, would that have taken away anything? No, I don't think it would have. I... I mean, she wasn't like it wasn't like a specific scene where she was meant to be like distracting people or anything. Like they're just she needed to be in a nice dress to get into the nice party, right? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, th- so this is where they do go to the part, like an actual party. Like they're robbing all the party guests. It's one of Satoris's parties, which is why he goes ham on a revenge. Oh yeah. Jeez, I mentioned I was a millennial, right? <laughs> oh yeah, we're both trying to, trying to be all professional. There I go using the word ham. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, but basically, they kind of con their way into a party. The bouncer is asking for their ticket, and Vaughn just holds up a gun and says, here's my ticket. Yeah, it's great. And I, I wrote, nice ticket, Vaughn. <laughs> I, I did like that. And I don't know who the actor was who played the guard, but he, even if he was an uncredited extra, he, he, he did a good job. And it repeats again, another robbery. So here's where, um, like, I wish they would have gone into more of the journey rather than just robberies over and over. Like, maybe exploring Bertha's past before she met these guys. That's where I think the film is kind of weak, is it's getting kind of repetitive. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like, like you said, like I enjoyed watching it. That didn't really jump out at me as I was watching it. But as we're recapping it, it's like I can't keep all these robberies in check. They all run together. <laughs> right. And I mean, even just a few minutes ago, we were having trouble recapping some of this. Mm-hmm. Getting confi- We're getting confused at which robbery happened when. Exactly. But we did watch it. Oh, yeah. Final train robbery now. Right? Yeah. It is Torius's, uh train again and i'm not even 100 percent sure i got the impression he's the owner of the train companies yeah that's what i understood as well okay at the end of the last scene while they were at the party there's a great bit where uh bill is speaking to satoris and he says i don't want to rob you i just want to shut down your railroad or i want to break your railroad that's it yeah this time he's got backup though yeah it's a trap and we lose rake in this scene yeah he tries to be a hero and it didn't work out for him yeah uh bertha escapes yet again they throw her to safety Uh, something i wrote down that money that she did find in this when so she did find some money uh and it looked very modern ah yes yes i read this in the trivia (laughs) oh i god how did i not read the yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, so they—that's one. That's one of the uh, inaccuracies that's called out. Is they only used modern money. They didn't use period accurate. Oh, okay. I—I mm-hmm. I guess with IMDb trivia. It's not actually sourced, so I don't. 
I take it with a grain of salt. Oh yeah, definitely. But we can see clear as day that it's modern money. So <laughs> yeah, Bill and Vaughn end up in jail, and Bill is beaten, and it looks like he's giving up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think it adds another nice layer of complexity for his character, if you will. Um, yeah, you know it's it's interesting with the I kind of you're bringing back a little memory for me of this really feels more like Bill's story than Bertha's story a lot of the time. And his character has a lot more uh, development, or it seems like he's a lot deeper character. Like he mm-hmm. has, he has this eternal conflict of, does he want to survive by being a thief or does he want to try and live a honest life? And you can tell like after all this thieving, he's, uh, he's getting tired of it. Yeah. I think the fact that he was giving, like it showed him basically giving up with, you know, he did want to be an honest man, but it didn't work out, and he he got screwed over, essentially. Yeah. And just doesn't, like, he can't win either way. Mm-hmm. It's a tough break for our guy, Bill. Pour one out for um In an alternate universe where, spoiler alert, he survives the end, he becomes a kung fu master and raises... The Fox Force Five. That's not what they're called. We're not, we're not rewatching Kill Bill. That one needs a rewatch. <laughs> did you get where I was going there? I didn't. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, well, in an alternate universe where he survived the final scene, he uh, he abandons both lives and becomes a kung fu master and trains a group of five deadly assassins. Ah, uh, not the crazy eighty-eight. I just remember the crazy eighty-eight. I don't remember his gang's name. <laughs> Is that from? That's not from Kill Bill. Yeah, it is. All the sword fight scene at the end of Kill Bill One. Oh, that's not his gang. No. Yeah, that's what I got confused by. But I just oh, okay. I don't know the name of Bill's gang. Well, if this uh, if this series takes off, we'll we'll do Tarantino eventually. That'd be great. Um, you know, we're 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 returning back to uh, uh, Bertha's point of view, and she's just kind of down and out in the city. She can't. She doesn't have her crew to go rob trains anymore, and she gets approached by this strange woman. And it, I wrote, I wrote in my notes, "Why did the stranger take her in a whorehouse?" Mm. I was right. Yeah, and um, I the same thing. <laughs> oh no! This was a bizarre. Th- this is where more of the exploitation goes in. There's, it's not mm-hmm. as explicit with Bertha per se, but it's sad. It's a male prostitution ring. Yeah. There's a scene where an old man chews some glass and takes out his dick. Yep. Yeah, it's a Yeah, this is like more of the weird like risque side of it, I guess. It's like it's not super clear why the movie turned this direction. Like it was it was kind of entertaining, I guess, but <laughs> I mean, I it makes sense for the story, but it was like did yeah. we need all of these scenes? Mhm. Yeah. Hey, question for you. Yeah. Do you think they did uh, brand deals back in the day, like product placement? Uh, probably not as was, crazy as it is now. Was in there the last 30 minutes? I saw lots of PBR. I saw PBR cans. I saw a PBR sign made me want a PBR. That's all. Huh. I must not have picked up on that. Probably because I, the only time I want PBRs is after 2 a.m. <laughs> last call of the meanwhile. Hey, <laughs> shout out to whoever gets that reference. Oh yeah. $5 pictures. Yep. In another time. Um, I'm old now. And... Oh, I wrote down one part here. So Yes. Um, so I think we're talking about the same thing, but go ahead. Yeah, so essentially there, it, she joins the whorehouse. She, she doesn't seem to hate it, I guess. Right. <laughs> she, she seems relative, relatively successful at it. She doesn't seem to hate what she's doing. I, I just wrote down, she, there was a bunch of, like, close-ups on her face, and I thought she really looked like Carrie Fisher from Star Wars. Did you notice that at all? I, was just I like, did oh not. God, she looks just like Princess Leia in some of these scenes. I did not. That's interesting. No, I didn't. Um, there, was a, there was the old man chewing the glass, and mm-hmm. she's showing a... She, she's, there's, there's a couple of scenes, like, they're not... 
they're not nudity, but it's like a montage of the different clients she has. I, I like that she threw out the line of pay no attention to that man behind the curtain, Wizard of Oz reference. Oh, yeah. Movie wasn't out at that time, so uh, nice. Uh... <laughs> so I, I, I did like that part. Then there's a funny part where a man is fully dressed and asked to stay the night and then takes his clothes off again. Yeah. It's like, why would you ask that? That before you get all dressed up again, and these are like 1920s, 1930s men in their business suits. Lots of layers, <laughs> lots of buttons, lots of layers. And so. then, uh, so after the montage, Bertha's on another night on the town, and she wanders into a bar and finds Vaughn again. Yeah, they oh, they just keep bumping into each other. The South is so small, y- yeah. Yeah, that is a good point. But I'm glad that they did. And, you know, Vaughn Von was a great character. And I love Vaughn. He was great. He was he was like the level-headed ones. Like, yeah. Bill had a lot of character depth, but he was, he was a hothead. And Rake, you know, Rake was a good character, but definitely, oh, what's the term? He, he was very out of place, which actually I think is what made him a good character. Yeah, I'd agree for sure. He was a very well put together guy, but just made some poor choices that that ended up in his position. Yep. And Vaughn reveals that Bill broke out of jail and is uh, living in hiding, so he takes Bertha with her. And I, I'm not sure how long, how many years apart this is, if or, or a couple months. That yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's... There's the one bit where Bertha mentions she hasn't looked at the paper in a few months, but yeah, it's not clear on how long they've been locked up. Has it just been those few months? Has it been six months, 12 months? Not clear how long she's been at the whorehouse. Um, but yeah, it doesn't seem like it's that much longer, but we got, we got those clues that Bill was starting to break down right before he went into jail this most recent time. Right, and he's very paranoid to the point where he's pulling a gun on Bertha when he first hears the knock on the door because he has no idea who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a beautiful reunion, and I like that Bertha never stopped loving him despite all the time they had apart. Yeah. I guess he was right to be paranoid because the two MacGyver boys and the rest of the police... Was that the police, or was it just the hitman? I, think, no, I don't think it was the police. Sure. I think, it seemed like it was all private security. It was probably just uh, Satoris's hitman. Yeah. It, yeah, it was. Okay, I'm looking it up here. It was uh, Satoris's henchman. Uh, they break in. I did not like how they beat Bertha. Yeah, that was bad. That was real rough. And then I wrote, they fucking crucified him. Me too. Holy shit. I literally wrote crucified with an exclamation point. I wrote a fucking crucifixion. <laughs> yup. <laughs> like, wow. That was... Uh... So we don't get the awesome alternate universe where Bill spins off and becomes a martial arts expert and raises a group of uh, assassins. No, so he... Sad. Uh... So sad. Yeah, I, I, I would have preferred that ending. That would be something to watch. Yeah. I'd watch... <laughs> okay, so in our... Uh fictional film discography we have the boxcar children uh, <laughs> bertha's the murderous spinoff we have the three and a half hour cut of this later on in scorsese's career and then we have uh the alternate ending where bill survives and spins off and becomes the man we know as kill bill <laughs> but thankfully vaughn was to the rescue and i also wrote uh nice fake blood that's not enough for me to lower my rating of it but it, it was just funny i mean uh like monty python and the holy grail came out at this time and that blood looks even worse but i think that's yeah. a, that that might straight be partly paint. intentional straight red paint <laughs> yeah it's a very heartbreaking ending yeah. where the train is rolling away and i just catching the symbolism mm-hmm. bertha can't catch this train yeah Oh, yeah. She I just caught that as I'm rereading. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the train rolls away. Unfortunately, Bill is crucified and then uh, dies. Uh, Vaughn Von gets out okay. Yeah. 
and Bertha is ultimately okay. Uh, she's, but I think she was just beaten too hard that she can't catch this train. Yep. And the film ends. Yeah. Kind of a downer. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a very abrupt ending. <laughs> I didn't know they could get much more abrupt than who's uh, who's that knocking at my door, but this one won, I think. <laughs> you know, it'll be interesting to see because after watching Killers of the Flower Moon not that long, I'm gonna put on a spoiler warning just in case you haven't seen it yet. Uh, so skip ahead maybe five minutes. I'm not gonna go too far into it, but. That had a that was a good resolution. Yeah. And we're back. Okay, so really only 30 seconds. I don't want to go too far into it, but Martin Scorsese's resolutions improve over <laughs> for a while. Kevin, what was your what would you say your favorite part was? Ooh, um that's a tough one. I think I have two favorite parts. One is when they are on one of the many bank robberies they're doing. I don't remember which. And mm-hmm. Bertha is messing with her hostages. And she's pointing her gun at them. And she's like, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. With a really That was gun. it. That was it. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, so she's just, she's kind of drunk with power, but just like having a good time. So that, yeah. so I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. That was what I was trying to say earlier. The stand up, sit down. Wait, that wasn't at the bank, was it? That was that was some, that was at one of the bank robberies, I believe. It was the bank. I think so. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So she's telling them to stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, and then that transitions to. Sit down with Satoris saying it, and the yep. two MacGyver boys uh-huh. sit down. Then he kind of goes into a little monologue. It wasn't very, it wasn't interesting yeah. enough for me to take any notes, but I did like that scene. Yeah, I'm following you. Yeah, she's just like a fun, cute character, and it's funny seeing her like holding people up and doing bad shit with a big old grin face the whole time. But that was my first favorite scene. My second favorite scene was when Vaughn comes to the rescue at the end. It was just kind of like a rampage. He comes with like three fully loaded shotguns and just single-handedly takes out like eight dudes. And it was like overly violent for sure. But it was it was a fun ending um, apart from Bill dying and being crucified. But it was a good little uh, shock of energy there at the end. And whoever did the sound effects for these guns must have been the same. Must have also been like thunder cracks. Because <laughs> they're like the loudest gunshots ever. I did, I did not notice that. That's funny, though. All right. Well, I have, would have to say my favorite is probably the scene where Bertha is breaking them out of jail just the whole part where you you know she's seducing the guard it's clever the i'm a missionary on my way to africa part Ah, was funny and then just the chase scene of two old 1920s cars that's a really good scene too what about your least favorite part uh least favorite parts um the beginning is really abrupt which i guess is okay like i don't mind just being thrown into it but it it was a little unclear of like oh her dad's dead and now she's just off on her own and i would have i would have liked a little bit more background there before she's off and turning into a thief on the run yeah i can agree with that um trying to think that might you may have sold me i was going to say um probably both both of my least favorite parts would it's kind of torn between um either of the sex scenes and not because of the sex scenes itself those were fine they were well done just because of some of i guess the bad cinematography i guess it was right before so i guess um yeah yeah you 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 mentioned that i didn't probably i'm gonna go with that but i like uh i like what you were saying about the montage would have been it would have been nice to expand on the montage yeah all right. So what would you say your over your personal overall grade is out of 10? Rating out of 10. Yeah. Um I'd give this a 7. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um Oh, okay. It was uh I liked it as 
as a film, I liked it more, or as an experience, I liked it more than uh, Who's That Knocking at My Door. It was just a good romp. It was a good time. I liked it. I'll give it a seven. And it's a quick reminder, I'm kind of a from-the-gut uh, raider and reviewer, so that that's what hit me. Okay. Well, uh, I'm glad we're kind of uh, breaking apart for our ratings. I'm giving it a five. Now, that Ooh, sounds... Okay. It sounds low, but you have to remember it's not like a school grade where you get five out of ten on an assignment and it fails. It's just if I give Who's That Knocking at My Door a six and I like this one less and we're kind of in the middle. So basically, if Who's That Knocking at My Door is a six and I don't like Boxcar Bertha as much, I gotta I gotta give that less. And because we can't do five and a half, I, yep. I have to put it right there. Gotta do it. I respect it. I have to say this. I think the highs were higher in, Ooh, in that knock at my door. Hot take. I this more as a whole package. So that's why this one got a higher grade for me. I think Scorsese is better, in my personal opinion, I think he's better when he does more of a gangster theme. I'm not really sure if that's what was going on with who's that knocking at my door. I think they were gangsters, but they didn't go into it very (laughs) much. And I think that's where his strength is. It is his strength. He's, he has other strengths, I guess. I think that boxcar Bertha, I wanted more from it than I did. Who's that knocking at my door? Yeah, that makes sense. Now for our overall ranking, so our best and worst currently at number one is who's that knocking at my door? So are we going to fight over this? <laughs> I'll concede so, to you. I'll make it easy. You would listen to the argument that Boxcar Bertha is worse than who's that knocking at my door? I would. I would, I guess. Okay. But I do think, I, I mean, thinking back on it, like just the, just like the, the, the sex montage and who's that knocking at my door with the music and that was really high. The the some of those conversation scenes are really great. So, like I said, even though I rate this one higher on my personal scale, I'd say the highs are higher and the Scorseseisms are more prevalent in who's that knocking at my door than at this guy. All right. Well, then I'm gonna put it in stone. <laughs> Once it's on the spreadsheet, it can't be changed. Yep. So Our current ranking at number one is Who's That Knocking at My Door? Number two is Boxcar Bertha. Will it be supplanted? I don't know. I I legitimately do not know. You know, we'll see. There are others down the line that I weren't even aware existed until we had this idea to do this show. Yeah. So, you know, we'll... We'll reach that part of the journey when we get there. I do like a good journey film, so... uh, Definitely. This might edge out some of the other ones. I don't know. Only time will tell. Okay, the next film on our list that we're discussing, I've I've mentioned this a couple times, Mean Streets. All right. I've heard of that one. Never seen it. I'm excited. Okay, that one you can rent on Apple TV for two ninety nine. Okay, I'll be doing. I would assume you can get it other places, but that's that's where I know it is for sure. All right. Um, Before we go, I have my haiku. Oh my gosh, we we didn't do one for Killers at the Flower Moon, so I forgot about that. Uh, Yeah, please. Too, it's okay. Please do. So, uh, if you don't remember last time, if you listened all the way till the end of Who's That Knock Every Door, I write a haiku for each Scorsese film. And this one, and for this one, for anyone who doesn't remember, it's five syllables, seven syllables, and five syllables, a three-line poem. For Boxcar Bertha, The Great Depression, make your way however you can, thrive by gun or bed. I love it. Thank you, man. I hope you can make. I hope you can make a living on a poet someday. I know, right? Uh, that one actually was legitimately good. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I appreciate it, Kevin. Where can we find you out there? 
Oh, you can find me on Letterboxd or you can find me on Instagram at Kevin Hausfeld. Um, yeah, and definitely come check out my, my, my movie chats or my travel photos. Sounds good. You can find myself at Letterboxd or Instagram. They both have the same username. Shaggy F Dog. That's Shaggy F and dog with three G's, all one word, all lowercase. Uh, you can contact us at goodmoviesthepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's goodmoviesthepodcast at gmail.com, all one word. My name is Forrest. And my name is Kevin. And you folks have a good evening. Watch a good movie. Have fun. Watch Mean Streets. Yeah.